When Rachel was in grade two, her class studied American history. One day, they learned about the Pilgrims and their voyage across the Atlantic on a very famous ship. They named it the Mayflower because it was May and lots of people like flowers. (laughs) Now, if I had a ship, it would be called the USS Rachel. Yeah, if it's my ship. That's Rachel explaining a little-known fact about American history. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Windsor, Ontario, we have crushes on fictional characters, a game of spin the bottle, and the color of love. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and by looking back, it can help us understand not just who we were, but who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. This episode is brought to you by the CAMH One Brave Night for Mental Health Challenge. On April 7th, people all across Canada will share one night to inspire hope for the one in five Canadians living with mental illness in any given year. You can step up and stay up to defeat mental illness. Visit onebravenight.ca slash grownups to register now. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Trend Micro. At CDW, we get that patched together security can leave gaps in protection. I patch things together all the time, like this broken desk chair. Some duct tape, good as new. Orchestrated by CDW, Trend Micro Cloud One provides unified protection and better visibility across cloud services. It's all in one cloud security that can hold its own. Okay. Want to buy some gently used office furniture? No, thanks. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash trendmicro. A minute ago, we heard from Rachel explaining how the Mayflower got its name. But American history wasn't the only thing Rachel wrote about in grade two. She also covered politics after her teacher gave the class a writing prompt. Uh, we were asked, I guess the prompt was, um, come up with your, your perfect president. So here is my president. She will make our country a better place. She will put an end to homework. She also will make some calls, so every day the fair comes. She will keep our Game Boy prices down. Everyone that is a good citizen gets Rocky Road ice cream. Also, children can visit her. And here she is. Yes, my president. Now, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but Rachel then held up a crayon drawing of her president with a big smile, red lips, and brown skin. Uh, And finally, uh, a very serious piece of fiction for you. I think it says a lot. Now, as an adult, I love love horror. I was a big Stephen King fan, and I see it here. (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a football stadium. (laughs) It was called (laughs) Haunted Stadium. (laughs) 
Then one day, as some cheerleaders walked by, they heard a noise. It sounded like someone in pain, said Kim. Yeah, said Polly. Let's go see what's up. As the girls crept in, they felt a cool breeze, and slam! The door shut behind them. The girls screamed, ah! (laughs) Then a ghostly light appeared, and out of the fog, the girls saw the form of a cheerleader's body floating above them. The girls screamed. The ghost screamed. After 10 minutes, they all stopped screaming and began laughing hysterically. This was the start of a very good friendship. Thank you. If anyone invites you to a football game at Haunted Stadium, Sounds like you should probably go. When Dan was in high school, he kept a diary. And at our Windsor show, he shared a few entries. Now, what you need to know about Dan's teenage diary is that he wrote most of these entries when he was still in the closet, and he hadn't yet come out, even to himself. A quick heads up, Dan uses some cuss words, which we do not bleep, and his diary entries acknowledge the existence of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. All right, just to note really, really quickly, this is my little dabbling in heterosexuality back in high school, I guess. Some people tried it in college. I tried it in high school, heterosexuality. And it's kind of odd it falls on my 17th anniversary with my partner today, who's here tonight. (laughs) The weird thing is all the girls I messed around with all ended up being lesbians, too. (laughs) April 30th, 1994. Hi. Well, this is the first entry. Kind of strange, eh? This is strictly to record all my secrets and major events in my life. To start, I enjoy getting drunk the odd time with people for fun only. I take acid, I only did it three times, and I like working out at Gold's Gym on speed. But not always. I will smoke, I love it, but only if I have a a gum or candy in my mouth to block out the taste. I'm not a virgin. I slept with three different girls back when I was 14 and 15. Well, in 28 days, May, t- May 27th, I'll be going to the grade 12 prom with a grade 12 girl named Dawn Emery. She's 18, one year older than me. My parents do not know I'm going. They would never let me sleep out with some 18-year-old girl. So I'm telling them I'm, I'm going to my friend Ted's house and getting ready at my friend's Crystal, who lives on her own. I have, some, I have to save up some money to rent a tux, chip in for booze, and chip in for the hotel room. I don't intend on having sex with Dawn. She's a virgin, and I'd hate her to lose it drunk. She probably doesn't want to do it anyway, so I have nothing to worry about. I do like her, though. I think she's so beautiful, and I'm proud to go to the prom with Dawn. 
I'll have to work on this. It always does work out in the end. I'm going to get my friend Christine to drive us to the prom, but I don't know how I'm going to get to any parties. Don't ask about Christine. It's confusing. See you later. Dan McDonald, current song, Madonna, Vogue. <laughs> Moving on to 1996. Hi, I worked my first midnight shift at Jumbo Video two nights ago. It was interesting. <laughs> Last night, Faustine called me over to her house. She was drinking at this bar, Yuck Yucks. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> and she was kind of drunk. She kissed me, and we did a little making out for a while. It was wonderful. So tomorrow, I'm invited over to Carmen's house. Her parents are gone. I'm going to sleep over. Steve will be there. He's this guy who Faustine likes. I'm going to get drunk. Hopefully, I don't blab off my sometimes big mouth. I wish Faustine would make up her mind about which guy she wants. I know she never kissed Steve, so I'm ahead in that department. <laughs> Fucking Steve. He's 17. Fuck him. God, Faustine, don't you see I need you right now? Obviously, she likes me. Why can't she see I'd be good for her? Dan, current song, Erasure, Run to the Sun. <laughs> April 29th, 96. Next subject, Faustine. Well, for a while, all was going well. We kissed a couple more times. I even went up her shirt, and then kabam! We went to Niagara Falls. Me, her, Carmen, and this sort of friend, Shelly. We all got wasted and played spin the bottle, and boy, did we play. All of us. All the girls were into kissing. All but Faustine. She barely kissed me when the neck of the Spumante Bambino bottle pointed my way. That was about two weeks ago. Since, I've been getting the slightly cold shoulder from her. She's always bossy and correcting my spoken word grammar. Fuck, I'm an English major. At least I'm going to be. It doesn't matter how I talk, it's how I write. Write? Current song, Polly by Nirvana. One more and it takes me exactly one minute. It's a creepy poem I wrote and I had no idea I wrote about being bisexual back then. It's called Show of Affection. I wrote it for a girl. I do anything in the world for you, yet still you waste my time. All my efforts, yet you're still with him. It's an atrocity, a crime. I've ripped apart my mind for you. I've torn down all my guards. I'm waiting for you every night, angry, sad, and hard. I do my best to charm you in all my boyish ways, but you got him and he's so fine. I'm ugly, gone astray. For now, you see, I've given up, given in to lustful greed. I'll win your body now for sure by performing the ultimate deed. I know I stand no chance with him. I may as well be dead. So I do the thing that I know best and take you both to bed. You see, this is not below me. I'm so ever affected by you. I'd go down for you 10,000 times and fuck your boyfriend too. I want you so bad it hurts me as you should know by now. I'd give it to you and give it to him as only I know how. Perhaps this offer would shock him or scare the poor guy away. Well, don't be sad. I'm here for you. You wouldn't need him anyway. Remember, however, my darling, all the naughty things I do. This does not make me less of a man because I fuck this guy for you. <laughs> Current song. Dexy's Midnight Runners. Come on, Eileen. Thank you.
Growing up, did anybody in this room have a crush on a fictional character? <laughs> that is more people than I expected. When Nellie was 15 years old, she kept a diary, and in it, she listed her top 10 fictional characters she would choose as a life partner. Here to read exactly who is on that list, please welcome Nellie to our stage. A quick heads up, Nellie's list does include a cuss word, which we do not bleep. There's your heads up. Here's Nellie. Nellie's top 10 list of fictional characters I would choose as my life partners. Number 10, Ferris Bueller. He knows how to have a good time, appreciates art, but unfortunately does not have a car. Number nine, Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. He's a sailor, can swim, plays the flute, enjoys dogs, and wouldn't mind if I lost my voice. Plus, he's a prince, fun for everyone. Number eight, Dexter, male love interest of Rory in This Lullaby, written by Sarah Dessen, a teen novel. In, is in a band, touches the small of my back, and has an admiration for potatoes and believes silverware equals love. Number seven, Michael Moskowitz, male love interest of Mia in the popular book series The Princess Diaries, written by Meg Cabot. He's tall, handsome, and can fix my computer. <laughs> and looks good without his shirt on. Goes to Columbia and also plays in a band, very cool, and he's Jewish, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Number six, Zach Braff's character in Garden State. Cute, <laughs> cute and quirky, has a cool motorcycle, likes the shins, no mom-in-law to worry about. Warning, he may be involved in recreational drugs and returning knives for money other than that green light. <laughs> Number five, Oliver from the movie A Lot Like Love. Oliver is tall, cute, funny, and will pay for everything. We'll learn guitar for you, and we'll have sex in airplane lavatory and back of station wagon. Important to know for long trips. Number four, Oz from seasons three and four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Short, punk, nice guy most of the time. Be careful on full moons because he will become a werewolf. Number three, Jake Ryan from 16 Candles. Tall, dark, senior, who saves you from disastrous wedding to wish you a happy birthday. Owns car and dresses cute, drool. Number two, Wesley from The Princess Bride. As you wish will mean more than you ever could imagine can fight all evil, including R.O.U.S.'s, rodents of unusual size. Can outwit a pirate. Not only is he good-looking and charming and smart, he is also very friendly with Andre the Giant. He seems nice. Number one, Jess from Gilmore Girls. He is dark, cute, smart, funny, book-savvy, enjoys coffee, almost famous, and has the best music taste. Those eyes don't hurt either. I don't know what Rory's problem is. Jess equals love. Would fuck in a second. And his uncle can cook. Yes, Jess is numero uno. Very nice list, Nellie. Well done. Love, Nellie.
Jeans, they're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. I once read that all human beings have three lives, public, private, and secret. And I think part of the magic of Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is that we get to peek inside the secret lives of strangers. For instance, take our next reader, Nathan. He kept a diary from age 8 to 14. And Nathan told me that this was a private diary and nobody has ever heard any of this before. We have a debut, Windsor. Please welcome Nathan to our stage. My lifetime. Here I am. I hope many things in the future. About my lifetime. I'm having a pretty good lifetime. (laughs) And I'm okay. My favorite game is Millipede. I play it a lot. We have nine kids in our family. We're homeschooled. Every day we work hard. I like my mom and dad. I'm glad I was born in this family. Sometimes it does seem good. But when I work, I get to play on the computer. More about my lifetime. My best part in this book is I hope many things in the future. And I hope I will be fine. Sometimes we talk at supper and laugh. About my love. I like to see Lindy. She looks pretty. I also imagine that I save her. Sometimes I see her look at me and I start to wonder. I hope she loves me back but doesn't show it. I sing about her and talk to God about her. I wish I was her friend. I hope I marry her. My family. My family is healthy, but my mom was poor when she was a kid. Isn't that what you said, mom? Anyways, let's get back to my family. My mom is nice. My dad is okay. My brothers and sisters are fine, even though we fight sometimes. Bad times and good times. I is going fine in the house, but sometimes it, it's going well. Sometimes it seems it's going bad, good, bad, good. I like mom because she almost never yells, but dad, he yells all the time. But I like to watch him play on the computer. Hello again. It's me again. I am 11 now. I am writing this two years later. I love this book, but I hate the ones about Lindy. (laughs) It is funny to read them and remember what it was like thinking up all this. I don't have a crush on Lindy anymore after she punched me in the nose. I have a new crush, a better girl. She's very pretty, her sweet voice. (laughs) She's very nice and kind, and I can't help but look at her. Every night she's in my dreams. 
I always remember the times we've had together, and I imagine us having adventures together. She's the one for me. Some stories in this book are so funny, I spelled lots of words wrong too with one O. <laughs> Ever since I stopped writing in this book, so much has happened. That's why this story is so long. Sometimes I keep hitting myself in the forehead when I look back in this book and saying to myself, oh, do me, why did I write that? Did I write that? August 4th, 2008, 14 years old. Hi, time clock is spinning fast. You are probably reading this anticipating what's next, wondering how it will turn out. I know how you feel. <laughs> I love my God so much. Every time I write in here, I read the whole thing through to see how it would sound reading it to someone dear. Not too good. <laughs> Well, that's my life, and all I can say is, here I am. I'm having a pretty good lifetime, and I'm okay. My best part in this book is I hope many things in the future. Thanks. Poetry is always popular at grown-ups read things they wrote as kids, and our next reader, Stacy, brought a few selections from a book of poetry she wrote when she was nine. First off, the color of love. What color is love? Is love pink? Is love blue? Is love the color of me or you? Is love light, dark, or pale? Or is love the color of a baby blue whale? Is love red like blood or yellow like a daisy, or is it the color that drives you crazy? Is love navy blue, maroon, or plaid, or the color of the tie I gave my dad? Is love brown or the color of the ground? No, this color cannot be found. Love is not a color, love is a feeling. Swirling and twirling and whirling and wheeling. <laughs> love is the feeling that keeps us warm at night. Love is the feeling that burns so bright. Love is a kiss in the winter snow. Love is a feeling that never will go. And uh, I wrote it to Stephanie. <laughs> so... I don't, I don't think I had a crush on her, but maybe. Uh, the next one is oh, just as bad. Uh, magic Kiss Kiss is also to Stephanie. <laughs> I need a magic kiss kiss from my prince. He will kiss me gently and I'll open my eyes. I am a princess and my spell must be broken. Listen up, your master has spoken. <laughs> kiss me once, kiss me twice, maybe three times would be nice. If he could stop acting like he's my master, 
Maybe we can live happily ever after. Thank you. Stephanie, if you're out there, please do get in touch. At Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, we hear a lot about crushes. And the thing about a crush is that it can be an emotional roller coaster. There's the high of infatuation, but a crush can also mean feeling the sting of unrequited love. When Terry was in grade six, she had a huge crush on a boy, and she documented the entire thing in her diary. A quick heads up, Terry's diary includes a cuss word which we do not bleep. October 17th, 1996. Dear Diary, I've finally gotten over Daryl. I like another guy now. Unfortunately, he's in grade seven and would never look twice at a grade six girl like me. His name is Jonathan Visser, but everyone calls him Fred. Anyhow, the school did Anne of Green Gables, the musical. He was Gilbert and Melody Clark was Anne. Everyone says, those two love each other. It stung me to the core. Just like when mom said, he doesn't notice you at all. And I know it's true. I've been forcing myself to face the truth for a while now, and it hurts very much. At the end of the musical, they sang a romantic song with Anne in Gilbert's arms. Torture! (laughs) April 22nd. We're like night and day, day and night. A quote from Bette Midler. (laughs) I had to write today because of something terrible. Okay, terrible to me. I guess it seems that way because I haven't exactly faced the tragedies of life. We had a mini science fair. The grade 7-8 class came and looked at our projects. Fred walked around and came to mine, and all I could do was make my science experiment work, and I just sat there not saying anything like I was mute. Oh, how can I live? I'm gonna die. I can never feel quite happy again for at least a week. He'll never like me, I know it. It didn't help that mom said after school, I don't mean to disappoint you, but I saw Fred and Melody walk to the bus together and it's obvious. (laughs) Doesn't she know that I realize it? That I saw it in his beautiful eyes when he looked at her in the hall? They were made and meant for each other. And there's nothing I can do about it. Those two's lives are like a big completed jigsaw puzzle and I'm an extra piece that doesn't belong anywhere in it. And why shouldn't he like her? She's fun, talented, and has hair to die for. Now, I can't make myself into a jealous nut. Jealousy can eat away at one's heart until there's nothing left of it. But miracles can happen, right? No, this is one miracle that won't happen. (laughs) June 23rd. I love Fred. Love, that's too weak of a word. (laughs) Oh, if only I could say what's on my mind to my friends, but they wouldn't understand. They've only had silly schoolgirl crushes. (laughs) They've never felt that someone was murdering part of them when a girl with killer hair talks and goofs off with a boy with gorgeous hazel eyes and the perfectest face I've ever seen. (laughs) Something came to me the other day. 
When I looked into his eyes, those two glorious times that lasted a millisecond, it seemed I could see his beautiful soul. I saw that he loved me, even if he didn't know. (laughs) For when you look deep down into the depths of someone's eyes and see their soul, that's when two people love each other, even though one may not realize it. (laughs) September 22nd, 97. Oh, what can I say? I don't know. I love him so much, but I bet if I died, just drop dead, I know he wouldn't cry for me. He wouldn't even go to the funeral. He would, he would probably feel kind of weird, as would all the kids in my class. <laughs> I'd feel the same way if, say, David B. died. I didn't really know or care about him one way or another, but he was a kid my age who died, so I'd feel weird. Not sad, just weird. <laughs> March 5th, 98. <laughs> Today, Jamie mentioned how bad Fred was swearing on the bus. He was telling everyone, fuck you, bitch, for no good reason. (laughs) And fuck is an asterisk in my own diary. (laughs) Well, that was the last straw. The breath he uttered to say that word blew out the dying flame. After Jamie said that, I was depressed. But then I realized, hey, why do I care? Someone who stoops that low isn't worth one pinch of my time. I didn't love him anymore. This is going to take some getting used to, I can tell, but I owe it to myself. It's gone and I couldn't be happier. But you know, I'm never going to be the same naive girl I was before I started loving him. I am a woman now. (laughs) And I'm never going to feel the same way about another guy. I'm sure of that. Fred sounded like a pretty great guy up until he started randomly shouting fuck you bitch to people on the bus. And then I was off the Fred train at that point. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Rondo in Windsor, Ontario, and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our intern. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. And our theme music is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. We have some really lovely photos and video from this show in Windsor. To see what I'm talking about, you can visit our website, grownups.fm. And if you like this show please do rate it in iTunes. And if you use Overcast, hit that star button. And if you don't use iTunes and you don't use Overcast, just tell somebody about the show. Recommend it. Word of mouth helps us a lot. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Listener.